With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. And before we get going, we've got to thank our sponsor, DraftKings. Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right, DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, reliable, and located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And since the last time we spoke, not a whole lot going in the world of the Edmonton Oilers. So we're going to jump right into our guest here. Brennan Clack joins me. Give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Update. He's a contributor at Fantrax. If you listen to sports radio in the city of Edmonton, you've heard him on TSN 1260. Now he's down the dial at 630. Ched, Clack, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I, I right outside of my house, it's not that smoky anymore. I don't know if that's going to stay that way, but I'm seeing sky, so that's pretty good. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder. I mean, we're we're thinking about all the people in the Kelowna area. Obviously, the fire going on right now, uh, just awful. And you've got to think that's going to make its way out west eventually. So, I think you know, enjoy it now, Clack, and uh, just ignore the sound effects that my computer just made there. But uh, yeah, try to enjoy the the blue skies while you can, because I don't know how much longer it's going to last. Oh, it's crazy. I saw a photo today from Armstrong, BC, and the sky was just red, mm-hmm. and that was just, I couldn't believe it was like the, the Kramer, when Kramer looks out his window and it's the red sign, the, was it the rooster's sign in Seinfeld? Yeah. It was like that kind of shade of red. And I just thought, oh my goodness. So I feel very bad for the people in British Columbia that have to deal with that right now. Uh, the Edmonton Elks are playing this week in BC and it looks like the air quality is going to be up in the air. So we'll have to see how that game goes. Uh, and, and we're covering that on our station, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely nuts over there. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, we're we're thinking of the people out there. Hopefully, all is well for them and they can uh, stay safe. But that air quality, that yeah, that's going to be awful for them to deal with for the next couple of days for sure. Uh, Clock brought you on here to talk a little bit about the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, I mean, you cover the league as closely as anyone. If anyone doesn't follow you on Twitter at NHL Update, I highly recommend they do so because in my mind I was going to say, oh, it's kind of the slow part of the season, not a whole lot going on, and then I check out your Twitter feed. Oh, Nylander signed, Fiala signed. Like, I mean, you're all over this. Can I ask you a question? And you don't have to give away all your secrets, but how do you get all these contracts so quickly? It's a mix of different sources and just, like, when you're on Twitter, you're going through absolutely everything you can to try to get what's accurate, what news is out there, what are people talking about, what are the best reporters talking about, and... People are just, there's, there's always someone that seems to get the right information. And sometimes it's me off the top, but, but most of the time it's somebody else. I mean, we have some really, really good insiders across the NHL. Frank Saravalli is owning the off season. That guy is just reporting absolutely everything he can. He nailed the expansion draft. This is the summer of Frank, but there's a lot of really good NHL talent out there and, and people that cover the game. And I'm just happy to, try to be as accurate as possible with what I'm tweeting. Frank Saravalli with dailyfaceoff.com. Yeah, he's absolutely crushing it. And it was funny. I mean, there were so many people during the expansion draft period getting upset about that. And in the back of my mind, like I, I try to stay quiet because I've gotten into this debate before, but if you don't like it, just put your phone down, log off Twitter, stay off social media for the day, and you're you're not going to have any of these things spoiled. Like, it's not that hard. You don't have to get mad at Frank for having the scoop and getting these things. No, you don't have to get mad at Frank if you're us. If you're ESPN, you might have been a little yeah. bit mad at Frank because <laughs> your ratings just were, and they still were okay, but your ratings would have been a lot higher had there been some drama of, hey, will Carey Price be taken? Will, Vladis, will Vladimir Tarasenko be taken? I think there was the very beginning of that broadcast, I remember, that they're talking about, the potential drama of the night and everyone knew what was going to happen already. And they mentioned all these names to the fans that were there that weren't picked. So they were like, does price get taken? Does Tarasenko get taken? Will we see trades? No, (laughs) (laughs) like everything they said was just not happening and everyone already knew, but I mean, it, it happened in Vegas in Vegas. We knew already what was going to happen before the draft and they made it very entertaining and there was a lot more trades which changed things i mean i i didn't mind the broadcast that they did i thought it was cool to have some of the players in town and you know obviously the scenery looked fantastic but maybe they could have given some of those guys you know the the proper pronunciation of names just just so when they're saying them you know it's a, it seems a little bit more official like marshawn lynch love the guy he's so entertaining but it seemed like he might have been a little out of his element there. Honestly, I, I laughed really hard at Marshawn Lynch. Uh, I thought they gave him the perfect name. I think if you're going to give that guy any kind of name, make it difficult so that he has no idea how to say it because it's that much more entertaining to me. So I loved it. What I was more confused by was why Kevin Weeks was Carmen San Diego, going from place to place in Seattle. I, I, I felt like Kevin Weeks, uh, I, I felt bad for him a little bit because he is – probably a smart enough guy to be an NHL general manager in the league was doing interviews around the league and should be in a front office somewhere. And then he ends up being at the fish market and then at the aquarium. 
And I, <laughs> I just, I couldn't help but laugh at, at how he was used on the broadcast, but uh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, Mark Giordano looked really sad <laughs> and I noticed that right away. Did you notice Dominic Moore's hair or was that just me? Uh, you know what? I, I don't know if I, I mean, I noticed, I thought Dominic Moore was just more good. Like, I don't know if I noticed his hair because I was too, I was too busy focusing on the other stuff going on, not to mention the savageness of, of Fowler on the broadcast. <laughs> like I Making was like, shots. Oh my. And not to mention he said Carolina Panthers. Yeah. That, there was that too. The Panthers was bad. The hair was bad. The the mispronunciation of names was bad. Like that was like Chance the Rapper SNL skit. It was like real life watching that happen, just not knowing how to say names. Um, I will say though, the Carolina Panthers organization, along with the Carolina Hurricanes, what they were doing after on Twitter, you know, swapping logos and colors and everything, that was a lot of fun. So I mean, if you want to talk about going viral for that reason, it it worked out okay. Uh, how surprised were you that Adam Larson was uh, picked up by the Kraken and then signed to that contract? Well, I was a little surprised. There was a feeling coming into that expansion draft that Adam Larson talks had gone cold, and. I mean, it was really weird how that all went down because the thing is, Adam Larson and the Oilers, it seemed like it was a 99% chance he was coming back and that there was two offers on the table and that all he had to do was pick one and it would be over. But I don't know what happened. It just seems like something in the middle. Was it Duncan Keith? Was it a gap in money a little bit? Did Larson look at a guy like Chris Tanev in Calgary and go, maybe I can get a little more than than four to stay in Edmonton. Otherwise I want to have a new experience somewhere, get away from the city based on just his experiences here, especially with the Taylor Hall trade and all the talk he's always had to play with and follow from that. And his father passing away. I was a little surprised that he signed in Seattle. I thought maybe he would go to more of a contender, but maybe Seattle is a contender. I mean, maybe Vegas, 2.0 2.0 happens. We're, we don't know necessarily. I mean, Seattle's got a nice defensive core and they have two extremely good goalies. I just don't know about the forwards. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. And I, I'm, I'm glad we just to, you know, get that 32nd team. You get a, you know, a little more even there. And now maybe Vancouver can have an actual rival because I don't think they had one going into this ever, like a, a true hated rival. We had some good series in the past and playoff series that they've had, you know, the intensity level jacked up a little bit, but. I, I am very happy with the Kraken being in the league now, and I, I look forward to watching them play. And you know what? If I can get out to Seattle for a game and maybe check out a, a Seahawks game at the same time, that's a win-win for me. That that That's kind of what I'm targeting. First Vegas, then Seattle. Those are the first two on the bucket list. Well, Connor, I mean, if you look at the NHL schedule, Edmonton's in Seattle. I believe it's the, it's, was it the first weekend of December or is it the first weekend of November? One of those months, the first weekend, Edmonton's in Seattle on the Friday and then the Seahawks and the 49ers play each other on the Sunday. I have looked this up, but the thing is I'm currently blanking on which of the first weekends of which month it is. But I've, I've definitely looked at it as like, is that a time for me to blow my money? It might be. I think there is also an Oilers road trip where they go to Arizona and then Vegas. So it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday okay. type of road trip. And then a Sunday Raiders game against the Eagles. All right. That, that could be fun. 
That'd yeah, start fun. booking your vacation now and, and just let Hernan know so he knows. Yeah, yeah, you got to cover me for those days. Looking at it now, Niners are in Seattle. Uh looks like it's December 5th, so the first weekend of December. That could be nice, get out of the cold weather. Uh By then, who knows how I'll be going with the Edmonton Oilers clock. Uh, let's, let's talk about the Oilers, and I'm just going to go through... uh Let's just start off with the forward group and maybe your dream scenarios when it comes to the lineup with the players that they have right now. Obviously, Connor McDavid is your number one center. If you're Dave Tippett, we're hours away from puck drop. You're putting in your final lineup. Who's uh, who's playing with the captain? Well, I would still want to balance it. I know there's been some talk recently about, hey, why don't you stack up McDavid and Dreisaitl? But what I would want to see is, the Zach Hyman, Connor McDavid, Jesse Pulley combination in action, because that'd be the first time I can remember Connor McDavid having two possession players on his wings. I don't think he's ever had that. I mean, maybe you could say, well, dry has been on his wing before. Yeah, but they always have someone else tagging along. That's not really part of it. Sometimes like I remember when Mike Camilleri used to play with McDavid and dry And it was like, why is he even here? Like, he's just kind of the straggler, but they'd always get some points. And when I think about what Hyman and Polyarvi can do for McDavid, it's that both of them can forecheck. Both guys can get into the corner and with Polyarvi's size and with Hyman's tenacity, they can both win a puck battle and they can give him more cracks at scoring more points. And that's why I really want to see them start the season together. And then if it's not working, then maybe you try Nuge and you try dry settle. And the nice thing is you have a lot of top six combinations that you can make. Plus you have Warren Fogle who might be able to move up at times. And he's not the worst player to bring up there either. He's kind of a Zach Hyman of his own ilk, but younger and with probably less goal scoring ability at this time, but they've got options, but I like them to see, I like them to look at Hyman, McDavid, Poliarvi to start. Yeah, and I mean, you, you kind of touched on it there. The versatility that they have with these guys. I think Hyman can play both sides. Obviously, Nuge can play center or wing. It's going to open up a lot of things. Now, who's your second line? Uh, I'm going to just write it down here. 29 in the middle. It, 29 in the middle, absolutely. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins, absolutely on his left side. We like the Nuge dry settle combination. It's worked in the past. I think it can still work again. Now, I would have Yamamoto starting on that second line. I've seen people try to put Zach Cassian back in the top <laughs> six. Don't do that to me, please. I think he works there in stretches if he's really hot at the start of the game. Like if Cassian comes out and he's hitting people at the start of the game and he's feeling it, then you can move him up. But I don't love starting him there because I think they have more skilled players to put there. And I do still believe in Kyler Yamamoto. I think he's a young player who's still finding consistency offensively, but he has all the tools to still be a very good top six player there and to at least start him with the, I guess, dry line, the news dry cell Yamamoto line. Now, of course, if things go awry, I would also like to see Zach Hyman potentially play the right side of what would be a boosted up dry line with Nuge, Dreisaitl, and Hyman. But that's if the McDavid line has issues, and that's if you start getting the mixer out later. So to start, I want to see I want to see the dry line. All right, now this is to me where it gets a little interesting. Some people like uh, McLeod as your third line center. Might say, some might say Derek Ryan. Uh, if you're drawing up the third line, how's it looking? Well, when it comes to the third line, the third line left wing spot to me is very easy. It's Warren Fogle. You traded a premium to get him. You traded Ethan Bear, a 
potential Carolina Hurricanes top pairing defenseman. I say that because he might be playing with Jacob Slavin in Carolina. So you traded a young defenseman that has a premium price for Warren Fogle. So he's going to play a big role. So the third line left wing slot, that's his easily. Now for the center and the right wing slots in that third line at center, I would like to start with Ryan McLeod. I say this because I like Warren Fogle's speed and tenacity, and I like that Ryan McLeod is also speedy and tenacious. And you have two guys that can really work the opposition with their speed together versus a guy who's more of a methodical veteran type in Derek Ryan. He's a possession center. He he comes in, wins face-offs and, and whatnot, and he can kind of play the Jujar Kyra role on the fourth line. But to me, I would like to see McLeod and Fogle together. I think they can create together. And then it's, okay, what do you put on the right side? I would like them to start with Josh Archibald on that right side because there's another guy with energy, tenacity, speed, get three guys that can meld together and really cycle the puck. So I think that's what I'm be leaning on right now. Fogel, McLeod, Archibald. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that third line. That's a lot of speed, a lot of tenacity, like you say. Um, that could be a line like other teams circle. Okay. We don't want to be trapped out against this line because they, they could run our show. Maybe not the most offensive upside, but definitely pace with that group. So your fourth line, I assume Derek Ryan is your fourth line center. Absolutely. And Derek Ryan is going to be a very important piece or an afterthought. And as much as that seems like an extreme with a fourth line center, I think Derek Ryan might be their best fourth-line center in many, many, many years. His possession numbers are through the roof in most of the seasons he's played in the NHL, and it's all about age now because age curves happen and guys drop off quickly. But Derek Ryan could be a really important piece for the penalty kill and for winning faceoffs and being on that fourth line. And Zach Cassian will be on the right of Derek Ryan because Zach Cassian has to play. I mean, Zach Cassian makes money, and could impact the team at times, but we just haven't seen it enough in the last calendar year, if not longer. So I think I would start Cassian there with Ryan, but I mean, I'll put Cassian in the press box if necessary. If he, He's got to be going. This guy's got to be going from the beginning of the season and not just against the Calgary Flames. He needs to be going for every single game to have success, especially on that fourth line, or if Cassian does end up moving up. The left wing slot on the fourth line is going to have a battle in training camp. I hope Tyler Benson gets his crack. I think Tyler Benson deserves to have a shot. He's smart. He likes to carry the puck into the zone, which I do like about him is that he can carry it and create some possession, especially with a guy like Derek Ryan, who's already a possession centerman. I would like to see Benson start. I think Devin Shore is more of an energy plug-in guy. And I also think that Brendan Perlini hasn't, like it's going to take him quite an uphill battle to go back to the NHL because he just was in the Swiss league where he was minus 17. Like he has to show a lot in training camp for me to boost him up and put him in the lineup. So there's going to be a battle, but give me Benson, Ryan, and Cassian to start. I like that. And one thing that you said there, 
I think is very important. And it was Zach Cassian. You don't care how much he's paid because, you know, he can still be in the press box. Dave Tippett can't worry about that, right? Salaries should not matter to him, cap space, all that. He's got to ice the best team out there. So if Zach Cassian's not going to be, you know, playing up to snuff, then he should be in the press box. And I like that you said that because a lot of people think because he's got a high cap hit, you got to have him out there. I, I totally disagree. I think that if he's not going to bring it and, and play to the level that, you know, got him that contract, then we don't need to see him because he can, at times, he can just be a ghost out there. The Oilers do not need that, especially, you know, in their bottom six when the role is pretty simple. So let's go to the blue line there and safe to assume Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry would be your top pairing going into the season. Well, it's, that's what, that's what it's going to be. I'm just going to say that's what it's going to be. But when I think about what I would actually do as a coach, is that I would look at the way everything is deployed and the way that Dave Tippett likes to deploy his defense. And he likes to employ it where Darnell Nurse is attached to Connor McDavid. So yes, Nurse and Barry attached to Connor McDavid is nice offensively. It's incredibly helpful to have two defensemen that both have different skill sets, but, but can also move the puck up with McDavid or in Nurse's case, transport it with him, skate with him and kind of create a five man unit defensively it can get really rough, but I think about how they might balance the other pairings. And there is a part of me that wonders if there's just another way to balance these out. Like I do look at the defense and I go, isn't it nice if Evan Bouchard gets Connor McDavid time, like with his passing ability, it'd be great if Bouchard got stapled to McDavid sometimes. And you have Darnell nurse there to help insulate him. Just like how Darnell nurse insulates Tyson Berry. And wouldn't it be kind of nice if Tyson Berry then gets a chance to help boost the other lines? Like what if Tyson Berry was playing with Warren Fogle's line and he can add some puck moving where normally it would be what Keith and CC. Like I, I, I personally would mix it up and I would try to find different partners in different roles. I think Russell and Barry had moments last year where actually it showed that they might be able to work. But the way that Tippett's going to do it, so all, all my rambling kind of doesn't matter. It's going to be Nurse and Barry. It's going to be Keith and CeCe in a defensive role. And it's going to be Evan Bouchard on the right side with a rotation of Chris Russell, Slater Cuckoo, and maybe William Loggison. It might all depend on how training camp works. That's what it's going to be. I just like to see changes and mixes because as a coach, you should be finding the best way to deploy your roster at all times. Yeah, and, and I'm with you. And I, I mean, I think it probably changes throughout the year and, and pieces are moved around. Nurse and Barry, kind of the safe one to start off with. The the pairing that intrigues me, and we'll eventually mark, make our way down to the third pairing, but you said it, Keith and CeCe, <laughs> and in a defensive role. How do you think that works out for the Oilers with, with those two? And uh, I mean, Duncan Keith, uh, pretty well documented. He had struggles the last couple of years playing with Younger defenseman, Cody Cece, not going to fall into that role. He's a veteran defenseman, played in the league, played for a few different teams. How do you think that pairing works out? Well, my first thought would be badly, but let's <laughs> dissect it. Let's, before I just say it's going to be bad, let's dissect what this pairing brings to the table. So Duncan Keith, I think, is steady in his own zone. Like I still think he knows positioning. I think he still has an active stick. He still cross-checks everybody. Like, in his own zone, Duncan Keith knows where he has to be, and he still can be a steady presence. Where Duncan Keith runs into problems is when he has the puck, he's been turning over the puck more as he gets older. And when he turns over the puck, when he's out of his own zone, it can lead to more 
odd man rushes against because his speed is not what it used to be. Duncan Keith used to be the best backward skater in the NHL. Now he gets beat more often on the rush than before. It really showed to me against Vegas in the bubble. Vegas exposed Keith a few times in that way. And I don't think it's going to get any better because he's older. Like that's not, that's not Keith's game at this point. So to me, the question is what is the right pairing guy for Duncan Keith? If he's more of a stabilizer in his own zone, is it Cody Cece? I don't know. Cody Cece played really well in Pittsburgh this year. If you ask a lot of Pittsburgh writers and fans who watch the team, they appreciated Cody Cece a lot. He blocked shots. He played a solid game. If you look at the numbers, he had the least amount of chances against in his career that season in Pittsburgh. However, he was on the third pairing, kind of. They had it a little sheltered where Mike Matheson and Cody Cece got some minutes that were a little nicer, and they gave some harder minutes to guys like Patterson and Marino and and the the Dumoulin Latang line gets a lot of the tough assignments in Pittsburgh. So Cody Cece, when he's on a second pair in his career, little dicier results. And with a guy like Duncan Keith, who's a little bit more volatile now as he gets older, I don't really think that pairing is going to be limiting chances. Like there's going to be chances against with that pairing on the ice. I don't really have problems with Keith in his own zone though. So it might end up having to do with, is Cody Cece able to replace Adam Larson? It's a big gap to me defensively because Adam Larson had his best season defensively last year. I think I've ever seen him have, like, he was excellent. He limited chances. He hit people. Nothing was happening defensively in a bad way when Larson was on the ice last year, as long as it wasn't on the rush. Sometimes he's a little slow. I don't know if I like that pairing. I, my early my early first reaction is could be a lot of chances against, especially on the rush. Yeah, and I had uh, Seth Rohrbaugh. He covers the Penguins uh, out in Pittsburgh on the show. I don't know. It was kind of like a free agency recap, just to get a scouting breakdown on all the new players. And he, he kind of reassured me that it wasn't going to be that bad. Like, my, my mind went worst-case scenario, like the things you kind of brought up there. And he said, you know... If you don't ask him to do too much, he, he he's okay, second, third pairing, and, you know, he, he'll throw himself in front of the shots on the penalty kill, so, you know, that that was an okay attribute, but it wasn't, like, raving reviews. He also mentions that it, it was a one-year contract, so it was kind of a show-me deal for him to try to get that contract, which he, you know, obviously went out and did. He earned the deal from the Edmonton Oilers, maybe a slight overpay, depending on who you ask, but, yeah, I, I'm I'm very intrigued by that pairing and... I foresee a few nights on Twitter in November, December where we're, we're trying to calm people down because they are losing their mind about that pairing getting outworked. Uh, you talked about the rotation on the third pairing and I think Evan Bouchard, lock him in there. He has to start playing games on a regular basis, but you've got Russell, Cuckoo, Legison. Who do you think gets the most games played out of those three? Well, I'm going to give you a bit of a bold take before I get into that. I think that by December, that Evan Bouchard will be in the top four. I think the Oilers are extremely high on him. They know what he can do. And I do think that part of bringing in Duncan Keith was that they saw him play with younger defensemen and that they think that he might be able to do it again. Now, you can debate that. You can say, well, didn't Keith have rougher results with Adam Boquist? Didn't he have rougher results with Ian Mitchell in Chicago? He he did. But I think the Oilers also see Keith as a guy that is a bit of a mentor. And I think about how 
Cody Cece might play in a bigger role than he did last season. And in Toronto, it didn't work out as well. And Ottawa didn't work out as well. And I look at the skill set Evan Bouchard brings, and I think he might play his way up into the top four. And that would bring Cody Cece down to that third pairing that he was used to more in Pittsburgh. Their second pair and third pair is more of a 2A, 2B. But Cece might be more of a guy that ends up on that third pairing. And if that's the case, could the Oilers end up using that third pair as more of a low event, shutdown kind of thing? They would have CeCe, Russell, Cuckoo, and Logason all kind of sitting there who are more on the defensive side or transition side, if you want to call it, for CeCe's case, of the game. I think that on the left side, we're going to see Slater Cuckoo play the most games if he can stay healthy. I say that because they gave him two years, which to me was interesting. It means that they wanted to commit to Slater. I think that Slater has a a leg up in terms of his age on Chris Russell. Like Chris Russell is going to have to sit out games. Uh, William Logason is a little bit younger. He has less experience. Dave Tippett likes to play experience. But if Chris Russell needs that extra time of sitting, then that gives him Slater Cuckoo as an option more. I would go with Cuckoo if he's healthy. I mean, the broken collarbone, McDavid broke his collarbone. It it doesn't necessarily happen again and again and again. It's something that you can recover from and play a full 82 games the next season. So I think Cuckoo Bouchard is going to be what you see on opening night. Maybe they dress seven defensemen. That's also a possibility. You know what? And what you said about Bouchard, you know, potentially jumping up into the top four. When did you give the timeline? You said middle of the year? I said by December. By December. After the first two months, he might be already there in December. He's that good to me as as far as a puck-moving guy and as far as being so smart with the puck, they might see him being better than CC already by December. So Strud's on the Jason Greger show had a had a similar take. He He put it a little longer. He said by midway next year, Evan Bouchard's playing top pairing with Darnell Nurse. And Tyson Berry slides down into the lineup. So, uh, I mean, you, you're a little bit more optimistic than, than old Streddy is, but both of you guys think he's got that potential and I wouldn't disagree. I mean, he's, he's just so calm out there too. Like he gives me the vibe that he, he could make a bad play and you don't have to worry about him making that mistake again. Like he's just going to be cool, calm, collected out there, accept what he did, know not to do it next time and move on. Like he's just got that, everyone calls him old man boosh, right? Like he's got that, that vibe that he, he's just going to be okay with everything like that. So yeah, that's definitely going to be something to watch. And I, I think, I think, I don't think you're crazy to say that. Like I think he very easily could be jumping up into the lineup, uh, as early as December. Now between the pipes, Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen looks like it's going to be those two guys once again. Uh, how, how confident are you with this? And, and was it a big failure of Ken Holland's not to go get another goaltender? I was shocked. I mean, we did our, our pre off season or I guess pre July 28th podcast, you, me and Hernan. And what was the thing that we said was the most important for the Oilers? was a goalie. I think it was goaltending. We we all agree that goaltending was the most important. So to come out of the first day of free agency and Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen still the pairing in the tandem, pretty surprising. And it's, it's not an indictment on Mike Smith because Mike Smith had a good season and Mike Smith proved that he can actually be a number one goalie still at his age. And he deserves another look like he deserves another chance to show I'm still at that level. But Miko Koskinen, what did he do to deserve being back? I mean, 
I know that you're a bit handcuffed because of the contract. He's got a year left, so do you want to buy him out? Uh, I don't know. Can you trade him? Clearly not. I still think I might have bought him out and went for another goalie. I mean, you're trying to win now. You already stated you're trying to win now by all the other moves you made. You've been aggressive. So you're going into an aggressive season where you're trying to win the cup with the same two goalies that didn't get it done the last two years. And we're banking on Mike Smith, who's about to be 40, to be the savior in net, who, by the way, as good as he was, was only a 9-10 goalie in the playoffs. Like, he wasn't Connor Hellebuck, and he wasn't Carey Price, and he wasn't Flurry because I don't think he can get to that level at this point in his career, because those guys are the elite of the elite goalies in the NHL. So, it's disappointing. Like, their defense is not a stalwart defense. Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry, there'll be chances against them. There'll be chances against Cody Ceci, and there'll be chances against Duncan Keith. That defense is built to move the puck forward, to skate with the puck forward, and to attack on the rush. That defense is not made for defense, for defending. (laughs) That defense is made to have a nice goalie behind them to make the tough save, which Mike Smith did last season, but I can't trust it again. I just can't. Over the course of a full season with many months of play and wear and tear, Mike Smith is going to need help, and I don't think I can trust Miko Koskinen to be this 920 or 915 goalie that's going to help him shoulder any kind of load. They're going to be in the goalie market at the trade deadline. I guarantee it. They're going to be looking for somebody. Clock, just a couple more questions for you here. Obviously, Kyler Yamamoto still waiting to sign a new deal with the Oilers, a RFA, no Arbright, so not going anywhere. What do you think the contract will look like for number 56? Well, I made a joke on Twitter It wasn't really a joke. It was more of like a crazy suggestion. But the Oilers really can only afford on the cap for Yamamoto to be at a $2.8 million cap hit. That's the max they can go, according to Puckpedia, who's a good friend, who has kind of outlined what the Oilers cap situation is like. I think the Oilers are going to want Yamamoto at a bridge where he's about two years or uh, two years or one year at two million per season. That's what they're hoping for. They want a two million dollar flat one year deal, or maybe in that range for two years, and they can bridge him. The problem is that the Oilers already paid Warren Fogle, who, statistically speaking, is has played more games, but really is in Yamamoto's wheelhouse, if not a bit worse. They already paid him more than two million dollars. So if you're Yamamoto, you might try to chase the two point eight. And the tweet that I made was saying. If you're a team that needs a winger, such as the Kraken or the Devils, and you have cap space, and you look around the market, that might be the most obvious offer sheet candidate in the history of the <laughs> NHL, because the Oilers cannot get you back. They have caps problems of their own for years because of the moves that they just made and the Darnell Nurse extension. Like They don't have time and effort to target those teams back, especially a team like the Devils, like, they don't really have many RFAs coming that are going to be of significance other than Jack Hughes, who I think they'll be able to get done and the Oilers wouldn't have the cast space for anyways to target an offer sheet. So I'm wondering if a guy like Tyler Dello is in New Jersey and thinking like, hey, what if we offer Yamamoto $4 million a year? The Oilers actually can't afford to do anything with that. Unfortunately, that's probably not how the NHL works. Offer sheets are so rare 
that I think what'll end up happening is it's going to be a simple bridge, and that's it. Now, off the top of your head, do you know what the compensation would be for for Yamamoto with that one? If you give Yamamoto four point one million dollars a year flat, and it's just at that number on the cap, then it'll only be a second round pick for compensation. And the way that you can kind of structure that salary wise to make it harder for the Oilers to match is if you make it a two year deal where the second year in salary is something higher than four point two. So if the Oilers are like, oh, we have to qualify him at five, then it gets more interesting. That is interesting, Clock. That's a nice little tidbit you got there. And uh, I mean, I don't know if Tyler Dello or any of the the Jersey management staff listens to this podcast. Maybe they follow you on Twitter. If that happens, I'm going to give you full credit for this one. And a final question for you this year, uh, or, or sorry, for this this conversation. We'll probably have you back on later this year. But going into the 2021-2022 season, uh, who, which other do you think takes the biggest leap in terms of progression? Well, I think it's going to be Evan Bouchard. We've talked about him, and I was going to mention earlier that when Struddy was saying he can see Bouchard with Nurse, I mean, I said that kind of, minutes ago like 15 minutes ago maybe that i would think about putting bouchard with nurse because you can then staple them to mcdavid the way that dave Tippett likes to kind of deploy that first pairing so i think bouchard is going to make the biggest leap but to maybe get away from him for a second because you've talked about him a lot i think yes he has got more in his game and i think yes he knows that he has a contract coming that, that he's going to get paid if he has a big season. And he gets this chance with Connor McDavid again, or Leon Dreisettle again, to, to make magic happen. And I think Jesse Pogliarvi is going to definitely get more goals this season. And you're going to see him play even more confidently because last year was the feeling out process. The, oh yeah, I'm finding my way in the, in the league. I'm figuring it out. This is the year where he's like, okay, I figured it out last year and I've got more to give. So to me, Pogliarvi makes the biggest jump on the forward side, partly because of who he's playing with, but partly the way he plays the game and just the growing of confidence after he's now been in the NHL again for a full season. Black, that's exactly where I was thinking too. <laughs> Great minds thinking alike here. Thanks a lot for doing this today. Really appreciate it. And uh, maybe once the season gets going again, we'll get you back on. Yeah, when the Oilers are 20-0 and and undefeated and the defense has been perfect and the goalies are unreal... Get me back on and replay the tapes. Duncan Keith, uh, Norris Trophy candidate for playing outstanding hockey. We'll have to do so. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Excellent stuff from Brendan Clack. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Update. He's a contributor with Fan Tracks. If you're from the city of Edmonton, you've heard him on 1260. Now he's with 630 Chad. Always appreciate Clack coming on, talking about those Edmonton Oilers. And that's going to do it for another edition of this show. It is the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN. We'll be back on Friday. Maybe we'll be talking about a new Kyler Yamamoto contract. Maybe Ken Holland has something up his sleeve. We'll wait and see what happens then. But thank you so much for tuning in today. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.